our Lord God Almighty reigns, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. This is the first Sunday in the Lenten season. Today we're reminded that Jesus is exactly the Savior that every sinner needs. As we see him head to the wilderness, to the desert, to do battle with Satan, we come to learn that he is a champion for the defeated. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority now and forevermore. Amen. On this first Sunday in the Lenten season, let's turn to the word written in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city. He placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and just then angels came and served him. The word of our God. My dear family in Christ, the final seconds tick off the clock, and a team has won the championship, and immediately the team gathers at the middle of the basketball court, or the football field, or the baseball diamond, or the soccer pitch. They're jumping up and down, hugging each other, they're celebrating, and the music comes blaring at full volume, we are the champions. The team struggled together, the team stuck together, the team persevered together, and now it's a team of champions. During this Lenten season, we're considering the fact that Jesus is exactly the Savior that we needed. Today's text shows us that Jesus is a champion for the defeated. A champion. Today, that word could refer to a team of champions, as I mentioned a moment ago. But that's not what the word champion meant originally. Originally, the word champion referred to a single person, a, a gladiator, a, a warrior. In fact, the original definition of the word champion is this, one who fights on behalf of others. 
I don't remember ever seeing the movie Patton, but I was reading recently that there's a scene in that movie where General Patton states his wish that he could get into his tank and his German counterpart could get into his tank and the two of them would fight it out. And whichever man won that battle would be declared the winner of World War II. Doesn't work that way, does it? But it did in ancient times. In ancient times, when armies gathered to fight, sometimes as a prelude to the battle and sometimes in place of the battle, they would have two men fight each other mano a mano. One gladiator from each side would come to fight on behalf of his country. Those men were called the king's champions, ones who fought on behalf of their king. They'd meet in the middle of the battlefield right between two armies, and with everyone watching, they would fight it out to the death. You saw something like that unfold in the pages of Scripture when David went to fight the giant Philistine named Goliath. And David won the battle on behalf of the army of Israel. Champions fought for a king. Champions fought for their country. Champions fought for glory. It's a concept, really, that's as old as time, literally. God placed Adam as a perfect, sinless creature into his perfect world, a world that was in perfect sync with its creator, a being who was in perfect fellowship with his holy God. And God called on Adam to worship him and to serve him only. Except Adam didn't. He failed. Together with his wife Eve, well, he worshiped himself. Put his will, his desire, ahead of God's will and God's desire. And they ate the forbidden fruit. And in that treasonous act, Adam sent the world into darkness and sin and death, right? You heard the humanity's sad obituary in Romans chapter 5 earlier. It said, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. So also death spread to all people because all sinned. And in the aftermath of that failure in the Garden of Eden, Satan, disguised as a snake, could cry out in triumph, right? And claim by accusation against all of us that the children of men born into this world with an inherited sin and depravity belong to him. But God so loved the world that he made a promise right there in Eden. I'll send my son, a champion, what you would not do, what you did not do, he will do in your place. Because now the human race could not live perfectly, nor serve God perfectly, nor expose Satan for the liar that he is, the Son of God would someday become the Son of Man and take our place, our King's champion. That, dear friends is what this text and this first Sunday in the Lenten season are all about. 
Matthew tells us that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Does that sound a little off to you, that the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus into a time of temptation? Remember, it had to be that way. Because Adam and every single one of his descendants, including everyone in the building this morning, had been tempted and failed, Jesus enters the battlefield as the champion of the human race. He would be humanity reduced to one. And Satan begins. Did you ever notice this connection? Adam and Eve, or I'm sorry, Satan used a piece of fruit to deceive Adam and Eve and tempt them in the Garden of Eden. And when Satan comes to Jesus for this first temptation, he tempts Jesus with food. He says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now think about, about how tempting that must have been for true man, Jesus. I mean, if you had the almighty power to do so, and if you were this famished after 40 days of forgoing food, wouldn't this have been awfully tempting to you? And someone might think, well, why didn't he just go ahead and do it? There's nothing sinful about eating bread. Well, just this. Jesus had entrusted himself entirely to the care and to the will of his heavenly Father to do his will. It's not sinful to eat bread, but it is sinful to not trust God completely. Jesus was trusting in his Father's care and entrusting him to his Father's will, and so Jesus refused to do a miracle for his own benefit, and so he turned Satan back. He quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But Satan is a persistent devil. So he took Jesus to the highest point of the temple at Jerusalem, about 450 feet up. And he essentially said to Jesus, oh, you, you trust God to take care of you, do you? Well, let's try that out. Why don't you throw yourself down from here and let's try out his promise in Psalm 91 that he will command his angels to keep you from being harmed. Throw yourself down, Jesus Refused. He cited Deuteronomy 6. He said, we have no right to test God. Friends, we have no right to test God and to insist or expect that God will perform some miracle at our command to take care of us. So Satan tried a third time. He said, you came to win the world, right, Jesus? Look, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. All you have to do is to bow down and worship me one time. Well, that doesn't sound very tempting, does it, to bow down and worship Satan? But think what's behind this. Satan is tempting Jesus to take the easy way out. You came to win the world, Jesus, right? You and I both know that that is going to mean going to the cross. I'll spare you all that pain, all that suffering, all that humility, and just give you the world if you'll bow down and worship me one time. Jesus, of course, knew that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. His promises are always empty. His lies always lead to hurt and to ruin. And so Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6 again and affirmed out loud his commitment to worship the Lord and to serve him only. 
So let me ask you, why do you think the Holy Spirit had this particular event written down for us in the pages of the Bible? I suppose somebody might say, well, because it's this fascinating, gripping tale of the light of the world going up to battle against the prince of darkness, head on. Okay. I think that there are those Christians who look at this account and say, well, the takeaway that God wants me to have is that here Jesus is giving me his playbook for how to successfully overcome Satan's temptations. So I just have to do what Jesus did and I'll win the victory. And while there's a grain of truth to that, we do turn back Satan's temptations by using the word. That's not really the point of this lesson. Can I impress on your heart this morning what we have here today? It's the story of your salvation. A champion for the defeated. This really isn't about a champion giving some winning tips to the members of his team. This text is about a champion for the defeated. And friend, I'm by nature part of team defeated. And so are you. So back up for a moment and once again walk through these temptations with me. Turn these stones into bread. The temptation again was to forget about trusting God and to simply take matters into your own hands. You've failed in the fight against that temptation, haven't you? I have. Team defeated. When it comes to simply trusting the Lord's will for our lives, it's devastating to realize just how quickly our trust in the Lord can evaporate when life gets tough. Instead of trusting God, we get angry at him or refuse to stay connected to him or hold him at arm's length. How do you react when you have some difficulty making ends meet? How do you react when there's some awful situation in life that you're forced to deal with? How do you react when God in his word calls on you to return to him a weekly generous percentage of what he has blessed you with out of grateful praise for the gifts that he won for you in Christ Jesus, even though that means you might have to forgo a luxury or two, but then again, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are all teammates on Team Defeated. Throw yourself down. Let's see if God protects you. You ever put the Lord to the test? How about times in your life when you told yourself that you could dabble in this sin or in that sin, that you're strong enough to stay away, and even if you do sin a little bit, God will forgive you, so it's not a big deal anyway. How about the times when you knowingly put yourself into a compromising position in life, flirting with some temptation, getting a little too close to crossing the line, as it were, but telling yourself you're strong enough to overcome it, except you didn't. We're all on team defeated. All this I will give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. How many times have you in your spiritual life simply just taken the easy way out even though it was unethical and sinful? 
we may know that it's wrong to have that one drink too many. We may know that it's wrong to laugh along with the gossip that we're listening to or sharing. We may know that it's wrong to click on that website, but all too often we choose the easier way, the path of least resistance, and it's always a road that goes in the opposite direction of what God's will calls for in life. Team defeated. And having realized all of that, we despair of our own efforts. And we acknowledge the degradation of our own sinful nature. And that's when we're right where we need to be. Because then we're ready to see and receive and embrace the champion for the defeated. Friend, I mean, God's word holds Jesus up in front of you this morning and leads you to find your everything in him. That is essential. They aren't just catchy lyrics. They're, they're true, those words that we just sang. With might of ours can nothing be done. Soon were our loss effected, but for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected, and that valiant one is Jesus, your Savior. He's your king's champion. He came to be tempted in every way, just as you are, but when the dust settled, he remained the faithful, sinless son of God the perfect son that Adam wasn't, the perfect son that Eve wasn't, the perfect son that I'm not, the perfect son that you're not. Jesus went to war to defeat the devil for us in our place, and he won. All the way to the cross and back, Jesus won. And because he did, we are forgiven. And now, friends, the glory of the gospel is this. We are dressed in the perfect life of Jesus. In Christ, we live both now and forever. Yes, sin entered into the world and death through sin in the first Adam. But Christ, the second Adam, came and through the obedience of that one man, the God-man, we have become righteous and heaven is ours. He is a champion for the defeated. And you know, because of his grace, with the indelible ink of his holy, precious blood, this world's champion signed us to his team. No longer team defeated. Now Satan is the defeated one. In Christ we win. And that, dear friends, is a victory celebration we enjoy here and now, and a victory celebration we'll enjoy through endless ages in heaven's eternal glory. Jesus, our champion. Amen.